Welcome to Three Deadly Sins, a podcast full of greed, wrath and envy. As the saying goes, there are only two things certain in life, death and taxes. We're talking about death and the greed, envy and wrath that emerges in contested wills. Some of these stories are very interesting, provide entertainment to those on the outside and involve all sorts of people from ordinary citizens to the rich and famous, but there are lessons to be learned from these cases. In this podcast, we talk about the interesting cases from New South Wales and Australia, as well as the rich and famous cases from around the world. Warning. This episode mentions suicide and murder. For crisis support or suicide intervention services, please call Lifeline on 13114. In our first episode, it's one with a difference. We have a murder. It's not a contested estate case, however the motive for murder was inheritance. It is a very topical case and we could not let it pass us by. It's about the person known as the Witch of Walcher and the murder of Matthew Dunbar. On 21st of February 2022, Natasha Darcy, nicknamed the Witch of Walcher, was sentenced to 40 years in jail with a minimum non-parole period of 30 years for the murder of her partner, Matthew Dunbar. For most of his life, he had been a single man. He owned and ran a 1,200-acre sheep farm property in a small northern New South Wales town of Walcher. He appears to have been an introverted type and not used to women chasing him. The judge described him as a kind man, generous to a fault. He wanted to share his love and good fortune with a partner whom he could provide for, care for and cherish. He was in his early 40s and the attraction of a family was there for him. Darcy had three children that came along with her as a package deal. Matthew had no children and no siblings. He was adopted and estranged from his mother. He was a man without any obvious heirs and he owned a property known to be worth more than three million. All he wanted was a family to surround him on his sheep farm and to live out his life working hard. In 2014, Dunbar met Darcy on a dating website. He was flattered as he told friends that for once he was the one being chased rather than him doing all the chasing. He fell in love with Darcy rather quickly, and in 2017, Darcy and her three children moved in with him. They may have moved in sooner. However, Darcy was residing at Her Majesty's pleasure for prior crimes. Throughout the relationship, Darcy had no income, no assets, and had significant debts. She quickly relied on Dunbar to provide for her and her children financially. Darcy was very focused on obtaining other people's money and this went back long before she met Dunbar. In 2008, she encouraged her then-husband to obtain life insurance and harangued the insurance company for weeks to ensure the policy was in place. A couple of weeks after she thought it was in place, she decided to tell some people that she was separating from her husband and she was preparing to move out of their home. This was around December 2008 and there was some evidence that around this time she was found to have called Capri's Chocolate Factory and attempted some kind of threat scam which did not appear to go anywhere. Her husband was a paramedic. In late 2008, 
Darcy started her internet searching for poisons, including Find Deadly Poisons list. On the 16th of January 2009, Darcy served her husband oysters Kilpatrick. He only ate one and decided it tasted acrid and spat it out. Who knows whether there was anything in those oysters. That evening, they had a conversation in which Darcy asked her husband about the level of force required to the head to do damage. She was particularly focused on the temple region. To allay any concerns her husband may have had, she raised it in the context of a horse riding accident because she had a daughter who was quite big in the horse riding scene. Coincidentally, that night, the ambulance her husband had used that day was parked at their home. The key was kept inside the house. It was only a couple of weeks later that it was discovered that two vials of sedatives were missing from that ambulance and were likely to have gone missing that night. The next morning at about 4am, Darcy hit her husband in the temple with his hammer. He survived that attempt. Three days later, Darcy obtained a prescription for a drug known as Karma. She claimed she'd been suffering from anxiety. That evening, she made a proposal to her husband that was quite odd. She proposed that they get drunk together. It was really out of character and her husband rejected the proposition. Darcy then gave her husband two tablets, which he thought was valerian, which is a type of herbal sedative. Darcy then made dinner and made tacos for her husband, and that was the last thing he remembered before waking up in hospital. Meanwhile, Darcy poured petrol on the bedroom floor of their home and set it alight, with her husband unconscious inside. She left her husband in the property and went over to a neighbour's property. Both Darcy and the neighbour then came back to the property, which was well alight, and pulled her ex-husband, or her then-husband, out of the house. Due to the extremely groggy and disoriented state her husband was in when the paramedics arrived, his colleagues requested blood and urine tests be carried out. Both of these tests revealed the presence of quite a number of sedatives, including the sedatives that had gone missing from the ambulance. In other words, her husband was heavily drugged. He also survived that attempt. Then, somewhat bizarrely, a couple of weeks later, at the end of January 2009, Darcy tried to claim she'd been attacked by someone and been given a syringe in her shoulder that contained a horse tranquilizer. This proved to be a false accusation. Darcy was not convicted with manslaughter or attempted murder. Instead, she entered into an agreement with the police and was convicted of recklessly damaging her home by fire. She was sentenced based on an agreed statement of facts for that offence, as well as the offences of conveying false information, assault being the hammer attack, public mischief being the false attack story, and two counts of fraud, namely the attempt on obtaining the life insurance and also the house insurance. She was convicted in 2012 and sentenced to serve a minimum nine months jail. In 2015, Darcy was sent to jail again for stealing a former boyfriend's credit card and making up false assault allegations against him in an attempt to get those charges dropped. In other words, she engaged in a form of blackmail against him. With the benefit of hindsight, this partner considers he was lucky as he was the one that got away. 
Darcy had breached her parole after serving time the first time for burning down the house. So she was sent back to jail for a period in 2015. So when Dunbar met Darcy and she went to jail, the warning bells were clearly there. However, no doubt she professed her innocence. And as we know, love can be blind. There was evidence that friends had tried to warn Dunbar, as being a small town, many people were aware of what had happened with her ex-husband. Reportedly, friends told him she was no good. She tried to murder Colin, her ex-husband. Dunbar apparently had been told by Darcy that someone else had actually been convicted for the fire, but his friends were quick to point out to him that she would not have gone to jail if that was the case. Unfortunately, as in a lot of cases of emotional abuse, any person that but dared sort of raised anything against Darcy, Matthew tended to drop and not speak to that person again. However, there seemed to be some evidence from a friend that perhaps he was beginning to see through Darcy's lies shortly before his death. We will never know. In fact, about a month before Dunbar was killed, Dunbar actually confided in hospital staff that he was concerned about the amount of money Darcy was spending. It was all his money. And whilst he was concerned about it, he decided he didn't want to leave her for fear of losing the kids. None of the three children of Darcy's were Dunbar's, but he'd obviously become quite fond of them. The relationship between Dunbar and Darcy commenced quickly after they first met in 2014. Before Darcy went back to jail in May 2015, she had already begun hassling Dunbar to change his will. She sent messages to Dunbar such as, Don't forget you need to change your will, and Can you promise to do one thing for me this week? Call solicitor for appointment to sort your will. When he didn't respond immediately, she taunted him. Your silence says it all. By May 2015, Dunbar had done what she asked and changed his will. He sent her a message, rang solicitor and organised will change. I love you so much, beautiful. The changes to his will had the effect of leaving his property, known as Pandora, solely to her. The property was worth at least $3.4 million at the time. In fact, it sold 18 months ago for $4.65 million. In 2017, Darcy was out of jail and living with Dunbar. It seems she quickly became focused on finding a way to murder him. Darcy was an avid user of the internet. She used her iPhone mainly and also conducted some searches on the home computer. From about the 2nd of February to early April 2017, Darcy started searching things like poisonous fungi, spider venom, and dangerous plants. In March 2017, she became more interested in the human anatomy and injection sites in the human body that may cause death. Some of her searches included spinal tap, air injected into vein, spine meets brain, and stabbed in the brain. There was some evidence that Dunbar was becoming depressed about the state of the relationship by mid-2017. Nothing had been the same since Darcy and her three children moved to Pandora. She insisted they sleep in separate bedrooms, and there was also evidence that she had started spending a lot of time with her ex-husband. Yes, that's right, the one she tried to kill. On the 23rd of March 2017, something must have happened, 
Darcy started using search terms including can police see websites and if police have your mobile, can they see websites? As she later found out in November 2017, the answer to those questions was yes. On 10 April, she just started searching terms that included suicide, how to commit suicide, overdose painkillers and the like. On 11 April, one of Dunbar's closest friends did die from suicide. This had a significant impact on his emotional well-being. It seemed to spur Darcy to conduct more searches on suicide, in particular the use of sedatives or other medication. She started trying to lay a false trail by telling friends and neighbours and others she had contact with that Dunbar was depressed and behaving erratically. She told someone that he only had six months left to live due to a brain tumour. She also told her friends he was really depressed. And then she started putting out rumours that he was gay. The judge found her attempts in laying a false trail to be rather clumsy. On the 13th of June 2017, Dunbar and Darcy had an argument because Dunbar had loaned money to an ex-girlfriend. At the time, Darcy had been engaging in a lot of emotional blackmail and gaslighting behaviour, taunting Dunbar to end things. It was found Darcy said things to Dunbar like, the rafters in the shed aren't high enough. As part of the argument, Dunbar threatened to kill himself. He took his gun and left the property. Some hours later, Darcy texted him and asked him to bring home dinner. When police attended the property later as part of the threat, Darcy choked with them about burying his body somewhere. Following that argument, Dunbar actually sought help from a friend who encouraged him to hand in his gun and voluntarily seek treatment via the mental health unit at Tamworth Hospital, which he did. However, Darcy used that opportunity to provide a false history to his doctors, no doubt making him out to have been significantly depressed and prone to suicidal thoughts. This was part of her continued efforts to lay a false trail. These events only seemed to embolden Darcy and she stepped up her internet searching in relation to various methods of suicide. Soon after Dunbar was prescribed antidepressants, there were internet searches on overdosing on that particular medication. Her daughter was into horses and when Darcy was with her daughter at a horse event, her searches started looking into medication and sedatives used to treat horses and their impact on the human body. She must have found something of interest as the next day, 19 June 2017, she was on the phone to the vet trying to order a type of ram sedative. She claimed to be ringing on behalf of Dunbar. Her request was declined. In media reporting on this case, it was reported that the local vet was so suspicious she actually called Dunbar herself to verify why he needed such a large quantity of this sedative and he advised the vet he didn't need any of it and hadn't ordered it. The vet was so disturbed by Darcy's call that she decided to notify the police and made a formal statement, as she considered Darcy was attempting to acquire a drug that she had no use for. On 20 June 2017, Dunbar had been discharged from the mental health unit. Scripts for his antidepressants and one of Darcy's children's ADHD medication were filled. Later that night at 11.21, a message from Dunbar's phone was sent to Darcy, indicating that he was potentially looking to end things. 
Whilst the Crown's case was that this note was sent by the offender herself as a fake suicide note, the judge felt she could not find beyond a reasonable doubt that this was the case. The next day, on 21 June, police happened to conduct a welfare check at the property. Someone was so concerned about Dunbar and the actions of Darcy that the police were really starting to get interested. In fact, such were the actions of Darcy that police had actually set up a strike force looking at what Darcy may be attempting to do well before Dunbar's murder. A friend and uncle had also contacted police two weeks prior to Dunbar's death as they were concerned about his welfare as well. During the welfare check on the 21st of June, police noticed that Dunbar appeared pale and unsteady. He was unable to speak intelligibly and was slurring his words. The expert evidence was that his presentation was consistent with an overdose of clonidine or a similar drug, both of which were filled at the local pharmacy the day before. Dunbar was at the doctor a couple of days later and informed his doctor that he had filled the script for the medication but he had appeared to have misplaced it. He felt confused. The day after the welfare check, Darcy's internet searching became more direct. She searched things like how to commit murder, murder by injection, and 99 undetectable poisons on her iPhone. On the 28th of June 2017, Darcy finally managed to acquire the RAM sedative she had been looking for. Meanwhile, she was searching ACP, a shortened formed name of the RAM sedative, injection suicide, and leg muscles and leg injection sites. On the 8th of July 2017, Darcy injected Dunbar with ACP in his calf, which led to a loss of consciousness for more than 24 hours. This led to a number of other internet searches by Darcy, such as, what happens when you don't urinate for 24 hours? When he regained consciousness, Darcy lied to Dunbar to make him believe he'd passed out walking. The judge found that Darcy had sedated Dunbar and injected ACP into his calf, which caused the loss of consciousness. On the 10th of July, Dunbar went to his doctor, explaining he felt confused and had a swollen leg. After being admitted to hospital, Dunbar confided in hospital staff about his concerns about Darcy, particularly in relation to her spending. But he'd miss the children too much if she were to leave. Meanwhile, Darcy was furiously searching on the internet about various drugs and other medications and poisons available on the property, with a particular focus on death and murder. On the 29th of July 2017, Darcy found a website concerning the use of helium gas to cause death. Darcy had hit upon her plan. That evening, her searches included delete all web history and how long Telstra web history and crime scene. On 30 July, she continued her furious web searching, focusing on helium. Then on 31 July, she started searching uses of helium, seeming to try to find a legitimate purpose to be obtaining helium gas. It seems she may not have realised that helium is actually used in party balloons. She ordered helium gas, indicating she was holding an event. She then arranged for Dunbar to collect it the next day, being the 1st of August 2017. She continued her internet searches, focusing on, Can police see past web history? Can your internet history be tracked by internet provider? On the morning of 1 August, Dunbar attended a medical appointment at Tamworth Hospital about his leg. Darcy went with him. 
Afterwards, she took him to Supergas and got him to go into the store and pick up her order of helium gas. They went to lunch at a cafe. Meanwhile, Darcy continued her internet searching, even with her victims sitting right in front of her. Whilst they were at the hospital, Dunbar actually received positive news about his leg. The doctors were pleased with how it was recovering and thought he would make a full recovery. However, as it transpired, Darcy put out a story that he actually received bad news about the leg and he was very depressed. That night, sometime between 7pm and 1am, Darcy prepared a drink for Dunbar in a magic bullet machine. There were at least five different prescription drugs in that drink. He drank the drink and then went to bed not long after as he had become heavily sedated. Whilst he was in bed, sedated, Darcy moved the helium cylinder to the main bedroom and set up a plastic bag and tubing. The plastic bag was placed around his neck and secured with elastic. Helium gas was turned on and Dunbar died of asphyxiation. Darcy then removed the packaging of the medication to stage a suicide scene. Then she had a Facebook Messenger conversation with a friend. About an hour later, she was searching as to whether helium would show in an autopsy. At a time when Dunbar was likely already dead, she used his phone to send a fake note from the victim to her ex-husband, asking him to call the police. Shortly afterwards, Darcy deleted her entire internet history from her phone. It seems that Darcy must have become impatient and thought her ex-husband took too long to call police. He was probably asleep, so she called Triple O herself. She told police that Matthew had been depressed and had received bad news from the doctor the day prior to his death about the infection in his leg and had told her that the helium bottle was for welding. During her police interview less than 12 hours after his death, she was reported as being quite giggly. Her behaviour was odd. She claimed that Dunbar was gay and it was a, a claim that was the first time the police had heard it. She claimed he had a lot of issues surrounding his sexuality. The policeman was in such disbelief and taken aback, he just couldn't believe it. After all, Darcy and her children had been living with Dunbar for the past eight months and he had publicly professed his love and intention to marry Darcy. It just didn't add up. After Dunbar's death, Darcy continued her searching and continued her lies that it was suicide. She was so focused on deleting her internet history, she even sought assistance from Apple's support and a private investigator. After her arrest when she was in jail. She attempted to bribe a fellow inmate to give evidence to bolster her suicide theory. Apparently it was an idea she took straight from a 90s sitcom. That is obviously a matter of separate charges of perverting the course of justice that are yet to be heard. She was also found to have coached the evidence of her children to help support her theory that it was suicide. So how did she get caught? Turns out she was unable to stick to her own story. She kept chopping and changing information right from that very first triple O call on the 2nd of August. Despite being found guilty, however, she has never acknowledged his murder. She has always maintained it was suicide, and she has shown no remorse. In handing down the sentence, the judge concluded, This is a murder of high objective seriousness. 
Searches conducted by Darcy on her iPhone from April 2017 to the night of the murder indicate perseverant focus on ways to kill. As time passed, the searches became centred around drugs, concepts and ideas that could be manipulated into the appearance of suicide. Emotional abuse and sneaky physical attacks escalated into a more focused and foolproof method to achieve the outcome she desired. The offender was callous, relentless and heartless in her pursuit to get rid of Matthew, who stood between her and the valuable, almost entirely unencumbered property, Pandora. Greed was her motive. Deception, lies and manipulation were glibly applied before and after she killed him. Her lies and methods were stupid, clumsy and ugly, but were sadly successful in achieving Matthew's death. They were not good enough, however, to evade detection. Dunbar may have wanted love and a family, but what did he get? asked the Crown Prosecutor. A cold and calculating person that was determined to kill him and take his wealth. Of course, Darcy will not inherit the property as she has been found guilty of his murder, so forfeits any entitlement under his will. It just goes to show the lengths some people will go to to get their hands on the spoils of someone else's hard work after they have died. That's it for this episode. Case references are found in the show notes. Thanks to Claire Hanna for the cover art. This podcast is written and produced by me, Leah Sewell, an accredited specialist wills and estates lawyer at LS Legal and recognised in Doyle's Guide in 2020 and 21 for estate litigation. Please subscribe to get more episodes.